It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 5 of What Katie Did at School this is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Karen Savage, Waco, Texas, May 2007. What Katie Did at School by Susan Coolidge Chapter 5 Roses and Thorns "'Oh, what is it? What has happened?' cried Clover, starting up in bed the next morning, as a clanging sound roused her suddenly from sleep. It was only the rising bell, ringing at the end of Quaker Row. Katie held her watch up to the dim light. She could just see the hands. Yes, they pointed to six. It was actually morning. She and Clover jumped up and began to dress as fast as possible. "'We've only got half an hour,' said Clover, unhooking the rules and carrying them to the window. "'Half an hour, and this says that we must turn the mattress, smooth the undersheet over the bolster, and spend five minutes in silent devotion. We'll have to be quick to do all that besides dressing ourselves.' "'It is never easy to be quick when one is in a hurry.' Everything sets itself against you. Fingers turn into thumbs, dresses won't button, nor pins keep their place. With all their haste, Katie and Clover were barely ready when the second bell sounded. As they hastened downstairs, Katie fastening her breastpin and Clover her cuffs, they met other girls, some looking half asleep, some half dressed, all yawning, rubbing their eyes and complaining of the early hour. "'Isn't it horrid?' said Lily Page, hurrying by with no collar on, and her hair hastily tucked into a net. I never get up till nine o'clock when I'm at home. Ma saves my breakfast for me. She says I shall have my sleep out while I have the chance. You don't look quite awake now, remarked Clover. No, because I haven't washed my face. Half the time I don't before breakfast. There's that old mattress that has to be turned, and when I sleep over I just do that first and then scramble my clothes on best way I can, anything not to be marked. After prayers and breakfasts were done, the girls had half an hour for putting their bedrooms to rights, during which interval it is to be hoped that Lily found time to wash her face. After that, lessons began, and lasted till one o'clock. Dinner followed, with an hour's recreation. Then the bell rang for silent study hour, when the girls sat with their books in their bedrooms, but were not allowed to speak to each other. Next came a walk. "'Who are you going to walk with?' asked Rose Red, meeting Clover in Quaker Row. "'I don't know. Katie, I guess.' "'Are you really?' You and she like each other, don't you? Do you know you're the first sisters I ever knew at school who did? Generally they quarrel awfully. The Stearns girls, who were here last term, scarcely spoke to each other. They didn't even room together, and Sarah Stearns was always telling tales against Sue and Sue against Sarah. How disgusting! I never heard of anything so mean," cried Clover indignantly. Why, I wouldn't tell tales about Katie if we quarreled ever so much. We never do, though. Katie is so sweet. I suppose she is," said Rose, rather doubtfully. But do you know, 
I'm sort of afraid of her. It's because she's so tall. Tall people always scare me. And then she looks so grave and grown up. Don't tell her I said so, though, for I want her to like me. Oh, she isn't a bit grave or grown up. She's the funniest girl in the world. Wait till you know her, replied loyal Clover. I'd give anything if I could walk with you part of this term, went on Rose, putting her arm around Clover's waist. But you see, unluckily, I'm engaged straight through. All of us old girls are. I walk with May Mather this week and next, then Esther Dearborn for a month, then Lily Page for two weeks, and all the rest of the time with Mary. I can't think why I promised Lily. I'm sure I don't want to go with her. I'd ask Mary to let me off, only I'm afraid she'd feel bad. I say, suppose we engage now to walk with each other for the first half of next term. Why, that's not till October, said Clover. I know it, but it's nice to be beforehand. Will you? Of course I will, provided that Katie has somebody pleasant to go with, replied Clover, immensely flattered at being asked by the popular Rose. They ran downstairs and took their places in the long procession of girls, who were ranged two and two, ready to start. Miss Jane walked at the head, and Miss Marsh, another teacher, brought up the rear. Rose Red whispered that it was like a funeral and a caravan mixed, as cheerful as hearses at both ends, and wild beasts in the middle. The walk was along a wooded road, a mile out and a mile back. The procession was not permitted to stop or straggle, or take any of the liberties which make walking pleasant. Still, Katie and Clover enjoyed it. There was a spring smell in the air, and the woods were beginning to be pretty. They even found a little trailing arbutus blossoming in a sunny hollow. Lily was just in front of them, and amused them with histories of different girls, whom she pointed out in the long line. That was Esther Dearborn, Rose Red's friend. Handsome, wasn't she? But awfully sarcastic. The two next were Amy Alsop and Ellen Gray. They always walked together, because they were so intimate. Yes, they were nice enough, only so distressingly good. Amy did not get one single mark last term. That child with pigtails was Bella Arkwright. Why on earth did Katie want to know her? She was a nasty little thing. She's just about Elsie's height, replied Katie. Who's that pretty girl with pink velvet on her hat? Dear me, do you think she's pretty? I don't. Her name is Louisa Agnew. She lives at Ashburn, quite near us. But we don't know them. Her family are not at all in good society. What a pity. She looks sweet and ladylike. Lily tossed her head. They're quite common people, she said. They live in a little mite of a house, and her father paints portraits. But I should think that would be nice. Doesn't she ever take you to see his pictures? Take me? cried Lily indignantly. I should think not. I tell you, we don't visit. I just speak when we're here, but I never see her when I'm at home. Move on, young ladies. What are you stopping for? cried Miss Jane. Yes, move on, muttered Rose Red from behind. Don't you hear Policeman X? From walking hour till tea-time was recreation again. Lily improved this opportunity to call at number six. She had waited to see how the girls were likely to take in school, before committing herself to intimacy. But now that Rose Red had declared in their favour, she was ready to begin to be friendly. "'How lovely!' she said, looking about. "'You got the end-room, after all, didn't you? What splendid times you'll have! Oh, how plainly you can see Barry Searle's window! Has he spoken to you yet?' "'Spoken to us? Of course not. Why should he?' replied Katie. He doesn't know us, and we don't know him. That's nothing. Half the girls in the school bow and speak and carry on with young men they don't know. You won't have a bit of fun if you're so particular. I don't want that kind of fun, replied Katie, with energy in her voice. Neither does Clover. And I can't imagine how the girls can behave so. It isn't ladylike at all. Katie was very fond of this word, ladylike. She always laid great stress upon it. It seemed in some way to be connected with Cousin Helen, and to mean everything that was good and graceful and sweet. "'Dear me! I'd no idea you were so dreadfully proper,' said Lily, pouting. 
Mother said you were as prim and precise as your grandmother, but I didn't suppose— How unkind! broke in Clover, taking fire as usual at any affront to Katie. Katie prim and precise? She isn't a bit. She's twice as much fun as the rest of you girls. But it's nice fun, not this horrid stuff about students. I wish your mother wouldn't say such things. I didn't—she didn't— I don't mean exactly that," stammered Lily, frightened by Clover's indignant eyes. All I meant was that Katie's dreadfully dignified for her age, and we bad girls will have to look out. You needn't be so mad, Clover. I'm sure it's very nice to be proper and good, and set an example." I don't want to preach to anybody," said Katie, colouring, and I wasn't thinking about examples. But really and truly, Lily, wouldn't your mother and all the girls' mothers be shocked if they knew about these performances here? Gracious, I should think so. Ma would kill me. I wouldn't have her know of my goings-on for all the world." Just then Rose pulled out a drawer, and called through to ask if Clover would please come in and help her a minute. Lily took advantage of her absence to say, "'I came on purpose to ask you to walk with me for four weeks. Will you?' "'Thank you, but I'm engaged to Clover.' "'To Clover? But she's your sister. You can get off.' "'I don't want to get off. Clover and I dearly like to go together.' Lily stared. "'Well, I never heard of such a thing,' she said. "'You're really romantic.' The girls will call you the Inseparables." "'I wouldn't mind being inseparable from Clover,' said Katie, laughing. Next day was Saturday. It was nominally a holiday, but so many tasks were set for it that it hardly seemed like one. The girls had to practice in the gymnasium, to do their mending, and have all drawers in apple-pie order before afternoon, when Miss Jane went through the rooms on a tour of inspection. Saturday also was the day for writing home letters. So altogether it was about the busiest of the week. Early in the morning Miss Jane appeared in Quaker Row with some slips of paper in her hand, one of which she left at each door. They told the hours at which the girls were to go to the bathhouse. "'You will carry each a crash towel, a sponge, and soap,' she announced to Katie, "'and will be in the entry at the foot of the stairs at twenty-five minutes after nine precisely. Failures in punctuality will be punished by a mark.' Miss Jane always delivered her words like a machine, and closed her mouth with a snap at the end of a sentence. 